This is Jane Hardwick Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. Big welcome to episode 26 of the Womancraft podcast and we're here with Anne who's an artist and sacred business facilitator and she journeyed in the Four Seasons journey in 2018. So uh, enjoy this beautiful space and conversation and all the details are in the show notes from our website. Okay, hi Anne. Um, big welcome to the Womancraft podcast. It's a really great honour to have you here and listen to your lived experience of journeying through the school. So, yeah, big hi. welcome. Hi, Ayla. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've been yeah, listening you're... to these for a while and I finally got the courage to put my hand in the ring. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the ring. And so you journeyed. Did you finish in 2018 or begin? Um, I've Finished, yeah, I started and finished in the same year, in 2018. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah. some start the year before, but I, I was one of the late, like I just rang up one day and joined and then it started the next week, so. Oh, wow. Okay, so normally I sort of begin the podcast asking how you felt called, so that sounds interesting. Tell me how you felt called to that within a week, like what happened um, to well, we'd been doing um, a three-day vigil, Sacred Fire, for um, a family in our community that had lost one of their loved ones. And my um, and part of that sacred circle was to have um, a place for the women that were bleeding. And I was sitting in that space because I was bleeding during that time um, where we were sitting vigil. And my daughter said to me, why are you sitting there? And I was like, because I'm bleeding, it's my time of the month. And she's like, oh, and she was so grossed out by it. And she was um, probably about 10. Um, and I just thought, oh, my God, I've got to do something about changing this patterning that's occurring around what is a sacred women's business. Um, yeah, so and I'd worked with Jane oh, 10 years before when I'd had when I had birthed my babies, like I had home births and did a lot of work then and so I'd come across Jane and her work um, and so I just started looking it up again and just went online and was like okay that's what I'm doing the four seasons journey. And you're seemingly all ready to go within that week? Well I had to sign up and then um, yeah 
it was I did the makeup gathering. Like normally they have an opening gathering and then they'll have sometimes a makeup gathering for people. It was a huge year. Like there was about 35 or 40 um, women circling at Mullum that year. Yeah, mm. right. Okay. So and how was that arriving, you know, I guess having that week and signing up and knowing that you needed to do something and feeling that call for your daughter too as well as yourself? How was it rocking um, up? Well, it was pretty intense because as I was packing, I was already going to Melbourne for a week, like for that. And so I was going to fly straight from Melbourne back to um, to Mullum to go to the gathering. And I was packing and it, I had was trying to do the pre-course work and um, it's, it was something about, you know, meeting your power animals and things like that. And I was racking my brain of what animals are going to be my power animals. Like who have I been, like it was all so new to me. And I always have had an affinity with crows and I was like, oh, it's going to be the crow. And then I walked through my kitchen and I got bitten by a snake. And um, so this is while I was packing. So I had to immobilise myself and go to the hospital and sit in um, in the um, emergency for six, was it six hours or eight hours under observation to make sure I wasn't venomated by the snake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so then... From that, then, you know, the next day I think we flew out for our holiday. Um, so it was just this really wild, like, sort of intense time of exploring this other world that was opening up. What sort of snake was it? I think it was a python. Okay. But because it had put its, like, like I'd had to kick it off of me and so um, it was, like, it was fully punctured into my skin. And they, I took a photo of it but they don't trust photos which is fair enough. I mean, if your body's going to go into a meltdown, you sort of want to know about it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I guess that's a bit of a different – so was snake your power animal? Yeah, like serpent. (laughs) When I journeyed um, in the first drum journeys and that, yeah, like the land serpent showed itself to me. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. How did that feel? Like did that just, I don't know, kind of gives me a bit of goosebumpy feeling like (laughs) – um, nothing like a good old sign right <laughs> yeah well I still was in denial like and when the land serpent showed it up I was um I was a little bit sort of nervous because it felt like a huge thing to have the land serpent show itself and for that to be journeying with me um and then about a week or so later I was at the top of my driveway and I found this it, it was a blue snake um, that had been squashed by the cars and had dried and was just sitting at the top of my driveway and then I was like okay three times I've just got to go with this um and it was like and because the other thing was because I'm um of European ancestry English and European um I have been working a lot on belonging and feeling like I belong like living on stolen land so when the blue snake showed itself to me, it was like a sign for me because blue for me is this, you know, the Celtic um, warrior women and things like that. So it was very much, and it's not a colour that is um, easily available in Australia for any of the art or any of the representations that people use out of the out of the country, you know, off the land. Yeah, interesting. And what else about uh, the serpent medicine? got called in for you um as you you, in your personal journey um 
it's really helped me um, maybe understand more about how the interconnectedness of us and the land from just my point of view, like how the land needs to feel and taste you and like how the skin and putting the earth on your on your skin and introducing yourself when you walk into different places or you go off country, like um, things like that and always um, returning my blood back to the earth, um, just keeping this sort of symbiotic relationship of connection between me and the place where I am. And I think, you know, when you think of a snake and you think of how they interact with the world, like, it's that tasting of the world and it's that like they, they feel the essence and the vibration by rubbing themselves on the earth. So I feel like when I put, when I take the earth and I rub it on my skin and stuff, um, that that's my way of connecting back with the earth so it knows that I'm who I am and where I'm from. Mm, beautiful. And before we go into the, that first gathering, um, so your daughter would be 13. Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask quickly mm. before I forget, how is she now with menstrual blood? <laughs> is She's still grossed out oh, she... by it. <laughs> but I'm yeah. much more comfortable. Like I had never even thought of doing like, um, like blood medicine or, you know, met like blood work before um, the, all of this journeying with women that are really empowered and really connected to themselves and to their place. So um, I think it's just now I'm so much more comfortable and I, I love working in that realm. And so, um, I mean, she's 13. She's grossed out by anything I do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's sort of, but it feels lighter now. It feels okay now. Mm. Almost more playful or... Yeah, like I'll sort of tease her a bit with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when she's ready, like at least I know that she has an imprint of what, you know, a woman who has owned and accepted her rite of passage, what that looks like. And a lot of my friends and, you know, they're the same. So she has at least role models now. Mm. How was your um, entry into Menarch? Do you remember that? Yeah, I was... um, I was young um, and I have an older sister and I actually started bleeding before my older sister. So the only thing I had heard was um, my mother very late at night sort of whispering this, this, these things to my sister and giving her a secret package of things. Um, and so for me I, had, I was on holidays like 3,000 kilometres away with my father at my grandfather's house when I started bleeding and um so I had nothing to you know to and so I went through my sister's stuff and I stole all of her little kit (laughs) but I still didn't tell anyone I felt like I had to keep it a secret it was a couple of months later when I got home that I told my mom Mm, wow and how did she react when you told her well she didn't believe me yeah (laughs) She's like, are you yeah. sure? But that's just another story. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So for me, there was very much not any rite of passage or um, any healthy relationship. It was something like that you was just endured, that you had to plug it up. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, you know, I had a huge journey 
coming to be able to get pregnant through that sort of righted some of that passage. Mm. And how was it during the school journey uh, exploring that story again in that container of the school? It was really, um, I just love working in the, the circle and the circle of shaman because it's such a safe space and when everyone is sharing their stories and you hear the shame and the um, fear and the disconnect of, um, of other people's stories and you realise yourself the patterning on the imprint of the feminine and how we've been um, oh, suppressed and how our bodily functions have been shamed and made wrong and controlled. Um, it was a huge awakening, huge awakening. Mm, beautiful. So I love hearing about um, people's drum making and yeah so let's go back to that first gathering again and uh, had you sat in circle much before and how did you if you can remember how it felt for you just stepping into that space and talk about the drum journey the drum making as well yeah and birth imprint um I was so uncomfortable it was so out of my comfort zone I really like I used, to, I've all, like I've run workshops that are creative workshops for a long time, but not in circle. And the idea of someone calling me sister just was like so wild and crazy for me back then. Even the word goddess, I think I had some spiritual trauma. Um, so the word goddess and all those um, things now that just roll off the tongue and have a completely different um, embodiment in me were really making me uncomfortable and you know I was one of the older ones there and so um, I just was really uncomfortable felt really out of place um, I mean making is my thing you know I love that's my jam is creating things so the actual making of the drum was where I just could just relax and go into it but I remember even going to the bathroom to I think I was weaving something or doing something to wet um, it in the bathroom and there was a, a woman I can't remember who it was now but she was um, um, what she she was using her blood to paint on the back of her drum and um, I was like oh oops sorry <laughs> and um, and she was fine you know she had the door open and it was like it wasn't like she was on the toilet or anything she was just um, had her moon cup there um, and I was like oh, okay, <laughs> what have I got myself in for? Um, but I just, there was a gentleness to the time as well and there was just this space where everyone, um, we weren't told what to do and how to do it. We were just given the safe container and, the, and enough instructions to do what we needed to do. And there were some people that struggled with certain aspects as well that I was watching. And, you know, my thing was would be to step in and save them. But I noticed that other people weren't doing that, like the apprentice, like the people that were holding the circle weren't doing that. They were letting people have these experiences of frustration or whatever it was associated with making. And I was a bit like, oh, they're not even helping them. 
Um, mm. But, yeah, then I sort of just through watching and being, I realised it's part of the journey to actually step into your uncomfortable spaces. That would have been interesting too as a person that runs creative workshops where you are sort of doing the, oh, I'll help you with this or is that, did yeah. you find that similarity? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, um, yeah, I mean, and I do, I've always sat and listened and watched a lot. Like I'm not necessarily um, very dominant, um, I think, in spaces. So I was able to sit and witness what was happening and just be curious about this unfamiliar space and just see how and what they were doing. Yeah. And how uh, did you go with the creative work and birthing the drum and your own birth story? Um, Yeah, I think I made the drum and it felt good. Like um, I don't remember except for that sort of the uncomfortableness of being the outsider in that space. The actual drum making, and I, um, you know, I painted it, and um, it came together really beautifully, and um, yeah, that all felt quite good. Um, and the birth story that I have of from my mother birthing me is she can't remember. She, um, it's not something that she has any memory of. So that's sort of curious. Yeah, interesting. And when she says, "Did so you sat with her and asked her about the birth yeah, story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, back back then I did. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she just, I think it was just not a very pleasant experience for her and mm. not something that she can find, um, a, you know, a doorway or a window to remember. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, well, I guess for that generation too, like a, yeah. a lot of uh, women <laughs> would yeah. have had that experience. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean I just have compassion now and just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to understand more and more of how, you know, when how we disconnect from ourselves and our memories because of, what's happening around us, you know. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting with my mum when I asked her. She'd never ever been asked in her life and she just kept remembering things. She's like, I can't even believe I'm thinking of this. And <laughs> she'd be like, da 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 And just probably realising that so many would have never you know, it would have been like, have your baby and just get on with it and never speak about it because it wasn't available to process or talk about or unpack or anything like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's just strange, isn't it? Like how, I mean, it's one of the biggest rites of passage that a woman can have the opportunity if they're able to, to mm. go through as, you know, that and um, uh, menopause. Mm. and we don't see that in our culture. Mm, absolutely, yeah. 
you know, you know the, for like especially for menopause, it's like the dominant culture's trying to reverse it as opposed to celebrating it and honouring it and, yeah. Yeah, and medicating the women. Like yes. so many menopausal yeah. or perimenopausal women are being medicated for symptoms and for mental health issues that are associated with menopause and if I mean not all of them but you know with the right support and the right understanding of what is actually happening we would just have such a healthier more um yeah just a much much better standard of life and sister sister standing by side by side Mm, absolutely this is every rite of passage (laughs) medicated in some way or another isn't even death can be very heavily medicated in that process yeah yeah Yeah. it's just control and fear I think a lot of the time Mm. and just complete unawareness people just don't know you don't Mm. know what you don't know (laughs) yeah so in the next gathering (laughs) where I think you make your mask so you would have made a snake mask with your animal how was that gathering if you can remember and I'm sure you would have made an amazing creative (laughs) that was awesome I had a huge collection of python skins that my friend had given me from her roof and I dyed them in indigo Um, so I had all these blue snake skins and I made like this medusa mask and it's funny actually I had I've got a beautiful photo that um, a friend took of my daughter in the mask and um I only just hung it up like about two hours ago in my new house. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm looking like it's like right where I'm sitting. So that's so yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that process. It was so liberating. And um, because we were such a big group, we had the apprentices that were ser- um, serving us. I don't know whether that's the right word. Um, we were sort of allocated into groups to an apprentice. And um, so the apprentice that I was working with, um, Raven, she was amazing. She was just, and I worked out later that she actually was the second, like for my first birth, for my son, you know, like you have, like I had a midwife because I was having a home birth Mm. and the midwife's backup was actually Raven. Like, oh, no way. <laughs> I just found it in the notes the other day because I knew I'd met her before, but she had changed her name since um, in that in the 10 years. Um, I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> wow. She was at your birth or she was just. No, she was the backup. So, yeah. If the, yeah. yeah. If the wow. midwife hadn't have turned up, it was going to be her. Yeah. <laughs> so, I only had met her once, I think, in, in my, yeah. But I was just so wild. So here she was midwifing me anyway. (laughs) Yeah, again. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, and it was just like this thing, what do you need? What do I need to do? And for me, part of making the mask and reclaiming my body and myself, um, uh, you know, the body shame that I had lived with all of my life was for – for us to do like um, we painted ourselves um, with, um, what was it? I think I had some blue um, indigo and some pigments and things. And so we painted our faces and we painted our bodies and we just stood and we're, you know, on top of the mountain there 
And we just stood and did like this sort of ceremony together. And it was so beautiful and just so empowering to stand there like semi-naked, like just our tops naked and just feel so empowered and so safe and reclaiming, um, I don't know, parts of me that, you know, had been shamed and hidden and, um, yeah, just not even acknowledged that, yeah, so I think that was a huge beginning of um, releasing a lot of my body shame that really needed to go for me to be able to grow and be whole. Oh, yeah. Isn't it just so remarkable that doing those processes, and I'm sure you would have it with your creative workshops too, like being able to use the form of creation to do the healing um yeah in yourself but being able to also step into that space of creation in a container that's held by that by everyone if that makes sense like I find at home or whatever I can easily self-distract myself from stepping into that and you know my thinking mind will go but you know I remember at those gatherings like just deeply immersing into it and not even having to focus on issues like body shame or anything as and unpacking it but just using that creative element to do that work I found yeah so, yeah like oh <laughs> and not in your head at all like just fully I think because of the safe container that's created um are actually able to um to let go of the head talk and the protection and the fear and just actually be with the intuitive body of what needs to happen what do you need to do what do you need to express in um you know in a healthy way so that you can move through and it's it's far beyond you know a verbal counseling session or something like doing the work and the shadow work this way where you're fully present using all your senses using the natural world and your intuition just helps move and shift and having the safety around you and the apprentices. Um, it's so subtle but um, so powerful. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Mm. It just sounds like you are meant to be there with Raven and then the snake biting you. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> like you can't argue with things, can you? No. Like it's just... Yeah, like um, the other, the, like I'm apprenticing this year and um, I was at a gathering. I did this, I started a body of work, um, like because I'm an artist. So I started a body of work earlier in the year and it was about me, it was a performance piece, a video performance piece of me reclaiming the sovereignty of myself. And so part of it was me going to a river and, um, with a cloak on and letting the cloak go and anointing myself with the water and pouring the water over my head, sort of symbolising the same things that Jesus did. And I'd never looked at um, the stories of the Bible because, um, like, my father's actually a minister and I just had turned, I just, I think I was so spiritually traumatised, I couldn't even see what any of these stories held. Um, but um, I was called out 
this year to go into that space. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready for it. Um, and so I started doing this performance piece and um, this video performance that I'll show next year. And it was, uh, must have been around Easter. And so I really had to look at some of those biblical stories. And then at one of the following gatherings, I was talking to um, a woman and she was talking about the love of Jesus. And I really have to keep myself in my body to even stay present to listen to someone speak about things like that. Like it's a real trigger for me. And I stayed with it. And that was a couple of months ago. And I just listened to what she said. And then it was like this morning I was thinking about, um, I was just laying in bed really early this morning, and I thought about pure love and that what is pure love and how does that show up? And in a selfless, um, in a selfless, you know, giving way, but how you still hold your own container for your own self to be fully present in and to be fully whole I'm not sure if I'm making this but um it was just like okay I understand the saints I understand the seers I understand the light the the purity that they're coming from and I understand how Jesus before he was written into the bible and an indoctrination I understand perhaps how he was in this space as well and I was like that's my medicine done like I don't even have to show the work that I did with my own like self-baptism and anointing myself in the river, like that's my medicine is going through that creative process and all of a sudden I can shed something and start to see something new. You are listening to the School of Shamanic Womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. Wow. And did you feel something connected in your lineage as well when doing that? In your ancestry or almost? Uh, I've been working a lot with the ancestors these last few days. Um, and... Yeah, I think um, the women, I don't know, like there's something that, yeah, definitely working in that space of the upper realm with the angels and the archetypes like of those goddess and ancestors and those spiritual beings helping to understand what um, what infinite abundant love is. I th- you know, it was also... Sorry to mention COVID, but it was the big divide that I'm seeing in the community and in everywhere and the us against you and me against them and like this war that people are stepping into. And I was just like, how can I work through this? Because it doesn't, I don't feel safe when I'm listening or reading any of that. So It's like when I feel safe is when I feel the higher space of love and of acceptance of other people's ideas and their ways of being and acceptance and trust of what's happening um, and pure accountability for my own actions. But definitely sitting in that realm with the ancestors of, well, what actually does it look like to have pure love? 
to infinite, abundant, non-judgmental, yeah. Mm. And just such a calling, isn't it, those experiences to step into ritual and... Yeah, yeah. Like today I've been doing a lot of ritual, a lot of um, clearing, like I've, you know, cleared the house. I have a, like had a fire and cleared and burnt things and released things and it's also day two of my bleed so it's um, a very potent bleed this time and just, um, yeah, really looking into what, what, how am I going to serve my highest self at the moment and how do I serve my family and the community and, um, yeah, my soul so that I can have right relationship with people? Mm, absolutely. I hear you. Mm. Definitely. So with your family, um, after like, you know, the few gatherings, how was the integration coming back and integrating after each gathering and, you know, looking forward to the next? Yeah, I found actually um, when I came back home, I would always take a day and then come back home and um, it felt really intense coming back into the family structure and I was doing a lot of work away or for me it was a lot of work away up north as well um, working with some plants and some women up out of Cooktown in Hopevale um, on Gugoyimata country. And so it was a year, it was the first year I'd done so much work away from my family and it felt like I was being torn, but it was also felt necessary for me to step into that space. And so um, I remember that pretty much every gathering that when it came time to do it, I would be finding reasons that I couldn't go and I would be, you know, even down to the wire of like, well, I just can't go. And <laughs> and then I would go and I would be so happy that I went and especially to the wilderness solo because that's what 10 days but 14 days with travel and there was all these other things happening and I just was like, I just cannot go. And I remember my husband at the time just going, you know, like, you can't have regrets in this world. Like if you need to go, just go. Um, and I'm grateful to him for saying that because it just helped me be able to go, all right, my children are safe. You know, he's a great dad. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I, I don't know what my life would be now if I hadn't have gone to those gatherings. Mm. It makes extra special to have a supportive person to you know, just say one thing like that and (laughs) yeah, that's a good little tidbit to have a day. Oh, it's Um, so good. Just to, yeah, 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 just to make it. And I would always go swimming and just clear the energy off of me. Like, you know, I'm sort of new to energy work really, but I just felt really called to go into the ocean and to release whatever I needed to let go of. So that when I came home, I wasn't carrying, yeah, the ends of what what's no longer serving. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to yeah to, to have that little space to clear and to process, and then go into yeah instead of being like boom here I am oh here I am in the next thing. <laughs> yeah, especially when mm. you've got kids, because like 
you know, it's so hard stepping back into a mother role for some people, for me, mm. um, into that selflessness. And when I'm there, I'm fully there. Mm. Um, but the transition in and out of it is quite hard. Yeah, yeah. I remember in, <clears throat> in India when I um, was lucky enough to do Vipassana and it was in Bodhgaya and so we left the place and then went straight back into the town, which was hectic as. And we just, I just, my, my friend and I were cowering in a corner. Like, like it was so much, like, <laughs> like <clears throat> just intense. And it's like the same thing. I remember coming back from the school, but I was lucky because I got a flight. And so I think we had a hotel up north so that was in Mullum and then yeah then before I flew back down to the south coast here in New South Wales so there was you know a day or two between Uh. that to do that yeah so it was really (laughs) yeah definitely important (laughs) yeah and that journey time there and back I think is really I can see how in traditional um pilgrimages and things like that that that's actually a really important part of the journey yes absolutely I loved it the up and back (laughs) it was just so and I got to share it with someone which was really special and just that um that time and that time of knowing anticipation and then the time after of I don't know what the word is for it but you know the coming the returning (laughs) yeah the returning Mm. Yeah, yeah it's I think, yeah, and if you travel with someone and you, it it just solidifies the sisterhood. <laughs> yeah. I remember I did a podcast, the last one with Susan Stark, and she said when she did her journey that they travelled around to different places, kind of like a gypsy caravan. Oh, I was cool. like, oh, that would be interesting, like going in that sort of like journey to different locations around the place and yeah being with that land and yeah that would be wild yeah so how was the wilderness solo for you like getting into the midway and um, um well I was really concerned initially um because it was in New South Wales and because I'd been doing so much work to connect and was finally beginning to understand what it was to be connected and to belong to where I live, which is Cubby Cubby Country. Um, I was a little bit concerned about going and doing this sort of work off country. Like, so when I arrived um, and we went up and it's like, when you go up to the top of that hill, that mountain, everything's on top of a mountain, but it's really a little bit wild trying to get up there depending on the weather conditions in the four-wheel drives. It was so windy and um, the fires had been through, I think maybe the year before, but it was still fresh enough that all the indigo was in flower and I was just like, ah, it was just a familiar plant and it's such a beautiful plant. Um, And then the gum trees and things, I started to feel familiar with them and the she-oaks, and as soon as I understood um, what the terrain was and the the place, like, um, and just spent some time with the plants there, I was like, okay, it's all right. It's okay. 
Um, and the kookaburras just kept coming um, and sitting and like kookaburra, you know, medicine is like um, heal or heal thyself. So it just felt really good. And I love being out bush and I love camping. So um, the idea of spending three days by myself in the bush was just um, really exciting. I'd never done that before by myself. So um, like going out and finding the place, like, you know, the location for this wilderness solo was really hard because um, I'm not very good at um, speaking up and going, that one, that one's mine or I feel this or whatever. Like, um, And so I was like one of the last ones to find a spot and it just felt, um, you know, like me being the outsider again and not belonging um, which is just a story, but um, yeah. But when I finally did find my spot, it was like one of the furthest ones away. There was me and one other person that were that far away. Um, and so we, um, yeah, and there was, <laughs> there was big dog prints um, around like, and but I just knew what to do. I knew how to cast my circle. I knew how to keep the space clean. I knew um, and I just really like I had a tiny little fire that I attended for the time that I was there. Um, I had a she-oak tree, like um, which is like a woman's tree in some places. Uh, and it was a really, really gentle, beautiful experience of just being held by the land and just... Um, yeah, it was so gentle and a lesson of like how to belong um, and how to listen like and when to listen to the land and when to listen to myself um, was one of the big messages that came back through me, like when it actually is time to take action. Mm. Um, how Did you choose to fast? Um, no, I fought, like I took kitchery, like I had, um, so I don't fast, like just water fast. Um, so I just, yeah, reduced the food intake for those three days. And I just, I think I had like one meal a day. Um, and I just was like, had some, um, some weeds, um, like some forage tea that I'd made before I went up that supports, um, your blood sugar, like evening, keeping it even while you're fasting. Mm. And how did you find sleeping at night? And um, Well, the first night <laughs> I was like rolling down the hill. Like I didn't roll down the hill, but I was just sleeping in a bivy bag um, under a tarp and I'd picked a slope because I was on the side of a hill and so I kept slipping down. So I, the second night I put all these big logs of wood and I pegged myself sort of so I wouldn't sleep, like I could sleep <laughs> um and then the third night I just sat up vigil all night oh wow all night yeah oh, so I had a fire that I tended yeah. mm-hmm. um and then it got really really windy and I like at, at, at like probably three or four in the morning at that darkest darkest point in the night I had to put the fire out Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, sat vigil as much as I could until mm. I heard the, well, you know, the dawn when you feel like the, the sky changes and then you hear the first birds. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it was beautiful. Mm. I love that moment in dawn when you just hear the first whatever <sighs> local bird you have around your place. And <laughs> and the sky just gets that subtle, like you're like, is it dawn yet? Mm. Mm, I love that. Oh. So overall it was a gentle experience and you felt connected to the land and yeah yeah it was a really supported and just understanding um and some of it was you know looking at sort of the um the ancestral stories of the women and how you know um how this country was so what was the word they used um uh, harsh and severe and all of that but when I laid on the land and went, it wasn't, it was gentle and it was beautiful mm. and supportive. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Sounds like a beautiful. How was the integration when you came back? Did you want to come back or did, was there a bit of hesitation? Or <laughs> um, Yeah, it was hard coming back, but it was a long, long time to be away from my kids. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really happy to come back to them and to, yeah, be able to hold them and hug them and just see them again. Um, it was it was long enough. Yeah. And did they think that was pretty cool that you did what you did? Um, they're not necessarily the most attentive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was awesome. Yeah. And I've got some really dear friends that um, – understood the awesomeness of it and my kids were just like yeah whatever mom I'm like you don't know what I just did you know what I just did yeah and they're just like yeah whatever (laughs) you hippie they're just like oh cool I'm like oh (laughs) one day you'll be excited about it and think your mom's cool when she did all that stuff (laughs) one day they'll listen to all these podcasts they'll be like oh that's our mom speaking (laughs) absolutely yeah wonder if oh man they'll probably have something crazy by then at that time won't they yeah yeah they'll just download it it won't even be um (laughs) yeah yeah i don't even have to listen to it it'll just be a microchip i was describing a vhs to my 11 year old he kind of gets it but he's like it's like a tape right in those cars those old cars when you put the thing in i'm like yeah but then like you watch a video on it and you put it in it's got a tape on it <laughs> he's like oh wow <laughs> yeah no nah. like, yeah cutting edge <laughs> he's like yeah no nah, mom i don't get it yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like that's not that long ago jeez i know um so love to talk about the work that you do now and um, as an artist and also I'd love to learn more about Sacred Business School, which I'm thinking may have birthed after the journey at some point. Could you just talk about that? Yeah. So my creative practice, my art practice is um, predominantly around plants and it's about just working with plants, deeply listening, sitting still, listening to plays, sometimes working with objects and just finding the stories um, and finding ways to share those. So it might be with natural dye and images or fibre or ink on paper, installation, performance. Um, And I just, yeah, it's sort of my medicine really. Um, And then as part of like a long time ago, I used to be a retail buyer and I worked in... um, that sort of corporate world for about 
no, it was close to 15 years. Um, so it was big dollars and lots of travel and all these sorts of things. Um, so I have this like whole business head inside of me um, that can do numbers and costings and budgets and all of that. But it was a really horrible way to make a living, really, because you're exploiting and consuming. So I'd left it behind in my 30s when I had my children and I hadn't been able to integrate it into my world. But once I'd done the um, Four Seasons journey and just become familiar with how the cycles of my body and the earth and the moon and the interconnectedness of all of them, that's how I run my business now. Like I have an online um, shop and like I'm an entrepreneur as well as an artist, I guess. Um, and so I sell originals and reproductions and things like that. But I also have a textiles range. And so like I started running a couple of courses just on costings for people for the local council, um, like how as artists to do costings. And then it just started to evolve and I suddenly realised there's this there's a feminine, earth-centred way of doing business that not very many people are experiencing. What they're experiencing is the grind and the hustle and the um, force and the it's a very masculine do-do-do sort of way of doing business and it burns us out. Um, mm. And so I've just been working in the last two years on working with the seasons of the earth and that's how I run my business. So working in um, like the moon cycles, looking at my own cycles. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm bleeding at the moment. So these last two days I've just locked down in the house and I've just been doing some really deep planning. Um, and also like a lot of things are changing quite quickly. Like all my workshops just got cancelled for the rest of the year pretty much because of the uncertainties and lockdowns. So that was my income, like half my income gone. But using the support that is around us of the earth and of I was able to, instead of just go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, I can just go, okay, so it's a really good time for visioning at the moment. So let's just have a look at what is in flow, what is working, what's still there, what can I. And so I've just rejigged in the, um, the next three months so that it can work. And, you know, it's different to what it looked like two days ago, but it's using the knowledge that, okay, this is a very internal time for me, these, you know, five days or three days of, of the heavy bleeding. So I'll use that time to just sit here internalising and to, you know, light a candle and see what flows. Um, and then, you know, we're coming up to the end of the moon cycle. So I've just um, next week, I think it's the end of next week, so I've just done all my finances and my tax and um, ready for spring. Like spring's going to be here soon. So I'll be able to launch in spring. So just understanding how we can use the, the support of the energies that is the magic that all traditional communities used to use. Like we were so connected to the earth that to work outside of that would have been, it just wouldn't have been a thing. Whereas now we're so disconnected that we work completely outside of any natural rhythm or rhyme most of the time. 
and we don't even realize why we feel so discombobulated a lot of the time. Yeah, so that's sort mm-hmm. of the, the 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 sacred business school is it's five modules and it's um it'll be launched online like I've been running it face to face for the last few years and it'll be launched online in August um and you'll be able to do individual modules um and have one-on-ones with me to just um fine tune it and make it um yeah make it right for your unique business and where you're mm-hmm. at with what you're doing Mm, beautiful does that include like videos and yeah yeah so there's a video a workbook um and there's um templates like some of it's just nuts and bolts basic business so costings planning budgeting and other is cycles and then there's a module on ritual and ceremony and how to use that in your everyday world so you don't have to be an artist like you could be a herbalist or a yeah yeah like I've had loads of um different um, health modalities come through and um, it's funny it's not that many artists like writers um, herbalists a lot Mm. of plant people (laughs) ah yeah well that's your medicine too I suppose isn't it working with the plants and yeah 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 Yeah. so it's a lot of people that already work in the realm of energy Um, but it's for any product-based business really like um, or service-based like it flicks between the two and it caters for both Mm. so amazing isn't it to I, I feel the school gifted me that or I remembered that the working with the seasons and my own cycles and just how it's it's I feel for me it's like oh finally like mm. this tension that I was constantly holding like having to be driven and to fuel into that consumption world and to keep going and going and and ignore all the signs and my body signs and the seasonal signs. And now, like, it's not like, I don't know, like for me it's not like I earn this amount of money now and do this. It's just this huge tension that I don't have to carry anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. Like I, I love my bleeds so much more now. <laughs> well, I'm pregnant at the moment, but you know when I was coming to the bleeding time, I'm like, yay! <laughs> Just to honor the process of where one's at at that time and in business. Like, imagine if we can all embrace that. Like, you know, winter time, everyone slows down and um, n- nurtures yeah. what's going on within, and and um, some people have a rhythm. You know, it, it's bringing awareness to the rhythm. Like I've had a few people in some of the workshops say, well, actually, no, winter's my biggest time. time yeah. Like especially here time. in Australia and they're, you know, I mean maybe that's something to do with their ancestral things coming from the um, northern hemisphere as well. Mm. Like mm. but it's bringing that conscious awareness and the t- like building in the days of stillness so that like you think we have to be on 24-7 but if we don't have that balance of going back into the feminine where we can be in nurture and be in a state of um, of being, I mean, I'm so much more productive when I honour these cycles. Like it doesn't feel like today I was like, God, what have I done? I haven't really got much done. All I've done is walk around and burn things, like mm. um, <laughs> sticks and nails in the wall. <laughs> put some blood under the tree like um but I know like just looking at what I'm going to do next week and I know that I'm so clear like I'm so clear on what I need to do now 
Whereas before I'd taken these two days to honour this time, I was in a bit of a panic state and I'd even gone to the point of looking onto Facebook, you know, which is like I, I do work on Facebook, but I'd started to read the big dialogues and was getting drawn into this negative space of just disempowerment. Mm. Yeah, mm. interesting, isn't it? I have a kind of similar thing that for, for me personally that there's like a little self-sabotage checkbox mm. somewhere that it's not so heightened at like now in my life, but yeah, I would just be like, yeah, I'm going to go do all those things that are going to make me feel even worse about myself because I'm knowingly going to do it. But (laughs) the fear just like will drive me into that space. Um, But, you know, now I feel I can be a bit more conscious about it um, in those choices and those decisions. And yeah. (laughs) And do you find like, when you catch, like you, you become more familiar with that feeling and when you catch yourself going into that sabotage state or that negative headspace, you go, okay, you check in, like you do a mental check of, okay, what season are we in? What time of the moon cycle are we in? What time of the month am I in? What's happening around me? Okay, mm. all right, all right. So that gives me a map of where I'm at. How can I work within that a bit better? Mm, beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And and did you do you find that that's what you work with in the sacred business school like that, yeah, kind of pull to awareness and it's like hang on where am I here and what can I be using in that yeah method um, in that cauldron right now yeah so, for sure yeah it's yeah. just it's giving people tools and some of them are the you know the similar like they come directly from the the um, school of shamanic womancraft. But giving people the tools so that they can have the awareness so that they can use this universal wisdom and magic as support. You know, none of us are unsupported in this world. There is so much non-human support available to us. And it doesn't mean that we don't have shadow work to do or things don't go bad, but it means that we have an understanding and a, a better picture that, yeah, things have gone to shit, you know, but it's it's the end of a cycle it's the death of something and out of that if I stay focused and I stay in in the space something new will start to happen like it can't not Mm. movement is you know we're forever in movement Mm, absolutely and again it's that like what you've done today it's that honoring of ritual that shifts that space yeah yeah I've found in my pregnancy I've been having these like I wake up at, it's probably, I don't know what time it is, but I reckon it's about 3 a.m. or something mm. and I start thinking and I get in this thinky brain thing. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the thinky time again. I'm like, all right. But I've found lately that I've in my mind I've started to like call in these different goddesses and just like offer, you know, call into the spiritual midwives and ask for protection and guidance. And I find when I start doing that, my all my thinky brain attentions <laughs> kind of, disappeared and like it's a whole different experience I'm not sitting there going think like jumping from one thing to the next and (laughs) that's awesome yeah and it's just that you know ritual doesn't have to be this fancy pants thing all the time it can just be something so simple and just so you don't even have to do anything sometimes to call in that support 
Okay. Yeah, and I think the the whole thing with ritual and ceremony was, you know, it is actually the everyday. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, we have we we get these pictures of big ceremonies, you know, in big churches or you know, um, big uh, sort of gatherings of you know indigenous cultures from around the world. And yes, that is part of it, but the 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 subtle rituals and ceremonies that were held to bring awareness and to embody knowledge um, in an, in a non-spoken way that's where the medicine of the everyday was mm. and can still be mm. absolutely beautifully said yeah thank you so much Anne I just want to wrap it up um, with I always ask this question. So to anyone that's considering the Four Seasons journey, uh, what would you say to those people? I would say um, to have a look at it and to talk to, you know, one of the, the teachers and feel into, um, you know, what it is that, a lot of the time we don't even know what's what's not working. We just know that we need something to change. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I recommend it and I probably recommend it for a lot of, I don't know, 90% of people. <laughs> um, so it's just been such a game changer for me. The tools and having the face-to-face year-long course, it's not something that anywhere else I've seen is offered. It, it doesn't cut corners. Um, and you know you have to show up it's actually calling you to do the work so I think you have to be prepared for that like it's confronting um, but you get the 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 biggest gifts of um, women of understanding what it is to be side by side of not competing Um, it's a very very healed way so yeah I haven't seen that in anywhere else and the things that I've learned from that um yeah like it's changed the way that I live and it's changed the way that I view things so and then you know I live a more healed life and people see that like my friends and my family like I'm yeah I'm living a much healthier more fulfilling life because of this the work that I've done and been called to do through that school so yeah thank you Ayla I've loved sharing all these words and these stories and yeah thank you for holding the space Mm. to be able to do this yeah it was it was a beautiful conversation it flowed really nicely so really appreciate and where can people find you um they can find me online at anh so a-n-e-h.com.au or on instagram and harris artist and on facebook as well Beautiful. And yeah, that's where you'll find the Sacred Business School with the online coming August, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all through the one website. So yeah, you can have a look on there and you can sign up for the website, um, the newsletter, and then um, you'll be the first ones to know about the new launches. Okay. I'm just doing that now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Welcome, Ayla. For more information on today's inner review, with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media 
forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.